Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgettance, after a dangerous collapse in the Triad Lodge, Elga urges Brana to consider marriage. Brana is terrified. She only feels comfortable in the company of the most innocent of creatures, like plants, animals, and young children. She can feel the darkness in human hearts to the point of agony to the point that she avoids contact with her peers and her elders, but Grandmother reminds Brana that one day she will no longer be alive to protect Brana. Reluctantly, Brana agrees to try to meet possible suitors. Brana and Elga in the past. Surrounded by the Innis tribe's tiniest hands and feet, Brana sat in a grassy patch, weaving wildflower crowns. The harvest festival would begin at sunset, the signal of a new day's beginning, and the excitement of celebration trembled in the children's jiggling legs and happy, bobbing shoulders. Oh, will this one have red and orange, Brona? asked Alice. It's my little brother's favorite. Little Cormac clapped his hands and cheered his unformed word for yes. D, 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 D. Doesn't it hurt the flowers when we pick them for crowns, Brana? Brana placed her hand over her heart. This is what matters. They sense it. If you come to them with cruelty in your heart, they feel that as pain. But when we come with love and care and respect, they feel that instead. Me next, me next, blue and red, cheered Alice. Lello, blue, said her brother. Purple, red, yellow, orange, cheered all the children. Brana bubbled with laughter, pink light puffing off of her like mist on water. Get to gathering, then. Off you go. Like springtime lambs, the children skipped off to gather the most beautiful blooms they could find, an easy venture thanks to the generosity of the blazing August 1st sun. Brana's hands worked, mindlessly weaving and taking the blossoms offered to her, but today her heart wasn't trained on her little friends. Tonight, Unlike all the years past where she celebrated the first fruits from the safety of her own home, she was expected to attend the festival, to meet people, to meet men. She promised Grandmother. Grandmother promised her it wouldn't be unbearable. 
And ever since the promise left her lips three weeks before, Brana felt a growing distance between her and the children, like a castaway leaving her friends on shore while waves lapped, lapped, lapped her farther, ever, ever farther. She trained her gaze on her lap. How big her thighs were compared to theirs. How clunky and chunky her fingers, while their deft ones twirled stems with ease. She watched them dance and laugh and cartwheel, and had always felt the same freedom and security that they did, free to bask in whatever gifts the day had to offer without worry about how to muddle through it, safe because someone could always be called upon to provide or protect. Grandmother is right, she thought. I won't have her forever. A tiny crack fissured at the center of her heart. No, Brana, she told herself. Stop, stop. You are happy. You don't worry. Then a voice that sounded like hers, but she'd never heard it before. Adults worry, and isn't that what you are? It whispered, like it came from a door just barely cracked open. Her hand flew to her chest, where residual soreness still pulsated with the agony she'd absorbed three weeks before in the lodge. She never, never wanted to bear that again. Sing. The message came from the orange fox and cub's flower in her fingers. Singing will make it leave. The plant friend's wisdom brought relief. Her forehead relaxed. The movement was foreign. Had she been wrinkling her brow? Conjuring a smile, she began to hum. The children's excitement took the comforting lullaby and transmuted it into a jig. Brana chuckled, then sobered once again. Was she really meant to sing lullabies to her own child one day? She tried to paint the scene in her mind's eye, but it seemed wrong, all wrong. But Grandmother could see it for her. And she promised, promised Grandmother. It didn't matter if the painting didn't fit her. She made a promise. She would repaint herself until she fit. The half moon climbed higher, Harvest festivities roared louder. Innis and Yerdat alike repressed their disagreements for this one night, the night to celebrate the first fruits of harvest, even as shortening days warned of the winter closing in. Move closer now, Brana thought. She eyed the alder ahead. At the celebration's beginning, she'd hidden behind another tree, far, far from the fray. Grandmother said nothing, but a burning sensation grew and traveled over Brana's chest. She staggered back and hugged the tree for relief. Grandmother, she thought. Grandmother, you're hurting me. Her mind spun. Confusion ran wild. Grandmother had always protected Brana from the darkness in other humans, even Grandmother's own. Never, never, never could she recall a time that Grandmother had levied such feelings toward her without even trying to hold them back. The pain was excruciating. 
She had stagger run to the next tree, the one she stood under now, and swore to herself that every time the moon floated noticeably higher in the clear night sky, she would move to the next tree, closer. She swallowed, pressed her hands to her belly as if that would help the stony rock she felt there, and charged ahead, threw her arms around the tree's trunk. You made it, gentle Brana. Tears ran down her face as the tree massaged her fear away. How could she ever explain to another human that sharp, scratchy bark could be more lush than fine wool? I've never known such fear, Alder. Send it to me. I can bear some. The tree replied. I can't. I won't do that to you. Brana, listen. Send it. Desperate for relief, she did. Muscles relaxed. She turned into the trunk, forehead against bark, until her breathing came slow once again. Time. She had a little time until the moon reached the next sky mark, and she would have to run again. Next, she would move to the knee-high rock wall. Once she climbed over it, she'd truly be there, at the festival. She could see the flurry of activity within the rocky boundary. Athletic competitions were still going on. The Feast of the First Fruits would follow. Her own belly gurgled. Would she even be able to eat with how tight her nerves were? If she could eat, would she be able to keep the food down? She checked her hands, turning them over. They rippled only with the faraway firelight, not the warning haze she'd seen at the Triad Lodge. Warning haze. That's what Grandmother had called it the first time. Neither of them knew what would happen if it weren't quelled, and neither ever wanted to find out. A sensation like someone blowing on the back of her neck clued her into the presence of another. Turning, she saw a cloaked figure approaching. One of the first fruits for you, miss. The voice was familiar and foreign at the same time, like it had brought a comfort years ago that Brana had long since forgotten. Inclining her head, she squinted in the darkness until the woman closed in and removed her hood. Brana gasped. Morna? B-Brana! Morna's hand flew to her breast and she laughed. I had no idea. Oh, dear Brona, it's been so long. Morna opened her arms for an embrace, and Brona hesitantly stepped in, but the energy emanating from the woman brought such safety, she soon found herself relaxing against the Yerdat priestess, just as she'd collapsed against the alder tree moments before. I've never once encountered you at a seasonal festival. Why no, dear? She closed her eyes as Morna stroked her hair. Brana opened her mouth to answer, but only a whimper escaped. Stay close to me, then, Morna said. I won't lead you amiss. Would you like a pepper? I took it from the festival table. Brana pulled back and nodded eagerly. The cool, ripe orb was placed into her palms, and she bit into its crispy flesh. 
The vegetable brought nourishment and hydration at once. She sighed. It's all a bit much for me sometimes, too, said Morna. But I enjoy walking far away and gazing upon it all. Makes me think of the view our ancestors might have looking down. Your mother, perhaps? Brana halted mid-bite, eyes rounding with ripening sadness. She watches, Brana said. Yes, agreed Morna. Especially you. Kerbra's mother rubbed Brana's back, and she slouched as though a heavy weight had just fallen from her shoulders. Grandmother wishes me to attend tonight. I promise I'm trying, she said. Oh, dear, 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 do not worry. I will vouch for you, and I still remember your proclivities as a child. Unforgettable. Sit with me. I'll show you the best view. Morna offered her hand and she took it, clutching it as she led her to a large rock. Climbing to the top, she earned a holistic perspective of the festivities. Torches marked the boundary in a crooked square of sorts, with four prongs extending from each corner, mirroring the starry pattern of the corn-ear woman who shined down from the sky at this time of year. Laughter floated upward along with torch smoke, but Brana's view shattered the illusion of togetherness. Despite sharing the same festival space, the tribes of Innis, wearing robes of brown, green, blue, and cream, and Yerdat, clad mostly in hues of tarnished gold, stone gray, and blood red, clung to opposite sides of the square. Yet here, on this rock, Innis and Yerdat sat, touching hip to hip. I've missed you, Brana said, and Morna rubbed her arm. I never understood. Someone with such purity of heart couldn't understand, Morna said. What happened? Morna shifted in her seat. It has to do with the land and greed and fear. The priestess stopped herself. Your grandmother wouldn't want me to trouble you. She's gone to great lengths to protect you. The urge to question further bubbled up in her throat, but Brana swallowed and nodded. She trusted her elders, trusted grandmother more than anyone. The crunch of boots on rocky ground distracted her from her thoughts. Mother, I... Who's there with you? Brana stiffened. Only one person could call Morna mother. Kerbra. Her heart twittered like a song thrush in springtime. It had never done that before for a man. The realization scared her. Her leg muscles twitched to clamber down the rock and run. No, she thought. Stay, stay, stay for grandmother. Morna slid down the rock and began walking toward him. I found an old friend out here in the dark. Don't you remember Brona from long ago? In the pause while Kerbra processed the question, Brona froze, but her insides played a wrestling match. Remember me, she thought. Remember me. Be the answer to Grandmother's prayer. Forget me. 
Forget me and let me run, and beg Grandmother to think of another way. Grana, from so long ago, he approached her, and she forced herself to stay in place. When he got to the rock and locked eyes with her, she found she didn't need to fight it anymore. The playful glint was still there. Ruddy red hair, longer now, still there. The eager smile, though a little crooked thanks to a... What was that? A scar twisting his lower lip. The hint of violence made her pull away, bite her own lip. But she gripped the rock. She stayed. Kerbra was as familiar to her as he was strange. And that was more than she could say for any other man on Inneskelig Island. Do you still talk to the bitty plants? he said. And they to you? She nodded. Scarred lips twisted in amusement at her shyness. There are some on our land I'd love to show you. I've often thought of you, wondering if you'd met some like them before. Joy bubbled in her chest and nearly broke open her face, but she gave Kerbra only a tight-lipped smile and several quick nods. She checked her hands. No pink glow. Not yet. That was good. She didn't want him to remember. To ask questions. Son, Morna placed a hand on his shoulder. You get ahead of yourself. Mm, mother. The tribes would never notice our missing or our meeting. You think no one would notice if the sensitive Brona was not with her grandmother or the children? Yes, I think it would be noticed. Come, Kirba, it's time we join the festivities. I must preside over the hand fasting for our tribe. Kerbra reached for Brana's hand and squeezed it. So wonderful to see you again, Brani. I hope it isn't the last time. The pair walked into the darkness, looking like shadows freed from their bodies, wandering toward the tall festival fires. Within its rock wall boundary, Brana could make out the shape of the hand fasting taking place. A rectangular wooden door, a figure on each side reaching through the hole and holding hands. The figures were far enough away that her imagination could easily transpose herself on one side of the door. And on the other would be Kerba. Kerba. No one else. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen.
to fail.